Hey friends, welcome to God on Tap. As always, I'm Nika Spaulding, and we are continuing with chapter 7 of the book of Amos, uh, specifically verses 10 to the end through 17. And we're going to look at this narrative, this little piece of story uh, that comes in the middle of the visions. And so, yeah, so let's jump right in. This is Amos chapter 7, verses 10 through 17. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah, and eat bread there, and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary." And it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You say, Do not prophesy against Israel, and do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord, your wife shall be a prostitute in the city, and your sons and your daughters shall fall by the sword, and your land shall be divided up with a measuring line. You yourself shall die in an unclean land, and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. This is the word of the Lord. Holy moly. Okay, so first of all, I can't help but notice when Amaziah comes to Amos, he like straight up pulls Uncle Scar to Simba type stuff where he's like, run away, Amos, and never come back. Like, who does that other than a villain, right? Uh, and so let me explain to you what's going on here because it seems, like I said in the last podcast, it seems like it's wonky, but the word of the Lord is never wonky because, you know, God wrote it and he's all-knowing, omniscient. So we have the three visions that begin chapter 7, and then we're going to have a couple more visions after this narrative piece. So we've got vision 1. We've got the locust, God relents. Vision two, the fire, God relents. Vision three, we done. Jeroboam and, and his reign is coming over. The land is going to be taken over. They're going to be carried off into exile. So in response to that vision, we have Amaziah, who is a priest in the priesthood of, that Jeroboam has set up. So Jeroboam, and remember back in the book of Kings, we talked about Jeroboam's legacy. He sets up uh, you know, basically fa- false worship is going on in the north. And we know it's always false because God has already prescribed who should be priests, how they're to be priests, where they should be priests, and when they should do priestly things. Like God's got it covered. You know, he doesn't need help with his instruction manual. It's not like an Ikea furniture thing where you're like, I'm not really sure what's happening here, but there's some weirdly drawn people and they're, they're moving stuff around. Like, no, 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 God is particular and thorough and he's already told us what it's supposed to be like. And it's supposed to happen in Jerusalem. So you've got all this false worship stuff going on in Bethel, not to mention all the oppression, not to mention all this stuff that Amos has already outlined in great deal as the mouthpiece of God. So Amaziah, one, already a false priest. So first of all, you ain't even legit Amaziah, so chill. So he tries to stir up Jeroboam. He's like, Jeroboam, do you know what this prophet is saying about you? And then Amaziah comes to Amos himself, and he's like, listen, O seer, which is like, shut up. Uh, but anyway, so he calls him O seer instead of prophet of God or whatever. And he's like, why don't you go on back to Judah? 
which in other words is sort of like, hey, look, Israel doesn't need your words. So why don't you go back to where you're from? You'll be a lot more profitable. Like go eat your bread down there. You'll be a lot like Judah and Israel don't exactly like each other. So if you were to take this message down to Judah, you make, you get that bread. You know what I'm saying? You get a lot more money because Judah would be like, oh, mm -hmm, tell us more about how bad Israel is. And so he wrongly assumes that Amos is like a lot of the other prophets that are just profit for hire. That, and, and we see this in the Bible. There are people who basically you could buy them and they would say whatever it is that you really wanted to hear. They might pretend like it's a message from God, but they're false prophets, which is why we have tests for false prophets in the Bible. Deuteronomy 13, 18, other places like you should not say you speak for God unless you speak for God. That should seem really simple, but, you know, people do crazy things to get their bread. And so Amos responds to Amaziah. He's like, hey, bro, bro, you are confused about something. I'm not a prophet's son. In other words, I'm not from this guild of prophets. Like my dad was a prophet. I'm a prophet. It's family business. We just, to the highest bidder, we say what you want. You, I'm not that person. I was a dresser of sycamore trees. Like I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not some prophet for, I'm, I was just a farmer, dude, living down in Judah and God, remember God, Amaziah, you remember God? You know, the one who like pff, created the world with his breath and also knit you in your mother's womb. Like, you remember that guy, the one who ordains everything and says, by the way, you're not a good priest. Remember that guy? So he came to me and was like, Hey, can you go up to Israel and say these things? And so Amaziah, ironically, being a priest for the nation, is attempting to destroy the entire nation. Because if you think about it, Amos is there to help the nation. He's get, like crazy now. He's like, Amaziah, if you would just listen to what I'm saying, your life would be spared. Your country would be spared. Your king, who you have this blind loyalty to, could be spared. Like, I'm actually here to help, despite the fact that it seems harsh and, and provocative. I'm actually here to prevent you all from heading toward the destruction that you're heading toward. And Amaziah is like, yeah, you can, you can peddle that elsewhere. So, what's really going on here? Uh, if you think about it, if Amos is a mouthpiece for God, and we've talked about this, that's what a prophet is. When you tell a prophet to shut your mouth, who are you really telling to shut their mouth? It's God, right? You're telling, you're telling God who sent Amos on his behalf out of his great mercy and patience and love for Israel. So Amaziah's sin is not just against Amos. Against, it's against God. More importantly, it's against God. And as someone who claims to be a priest, he should know this. Right. And so then the proclamation is against Amaziah. He's like, Amaziah, you, you're telling God to shut up. Therefore, go ahead and hear this word. Your family is going to be demolished and you are going to die. Your children are going to die. Your wife is going to become, it's harsh. Y'all, there, there's no way around this. This is harsh. But here is a person in a, in a position of religious authority in national authority, who is going to the very person who's trying to save the nation and the very person who speaks on behalf of God. And he's like, hey, shut up. So of course the response to that is going to be harsh. Do you, do you just get to tell God, shut up, and there's not consequences? Of course not. Because Amaziah is not just bringing harm to himself. 
He's bringing harm to everybody in Israel. Every single person who's participating in this oppression who needs a reminder from God himself to stop and that there's a chance to repent. And Amaziah, like an anti-Moses, an anti-Amos, an anti-Jesus, is standing between God and the people and telling God to peddle that elsewhere. It's horrifying, truly. And so this is what's happening is there's this sort of, it's not an interruption if you think about it. It's really, God is putting this story in here, but it's a picture of what Amos comes up against. It's certainly foreshadowing to what Jesus would come up against as well. That Jesus comes and you've got all these religious leaders, people who would probably not think that they're Amaziah-like, right? Because if you think about it, Pharisees were people who were trying to pursue religious uprightness. They're trying to do the right thing, and yet they're being more like Amaziah than they realize. Because they keep telling Jesus what God likes, which if they if you don't know, Jesus is God. Like God is in their home telling them, hey, this is what God likes. And they're like, no, 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 no. God doesn't really care for healing on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, really? Because I just did it and I'm God. So what's our so what for us? Uh, This should not surprise us that Amos faces opposition. Because Moses faced opposition, Amos faced opposition, all the prophets are going to face opposition, and Jesus, the ultimate prophet, is going to face opposition. But I think sometimes we're taught to revere those in authority blindly. And I don't know about y'all, but over the last few years, this idea that just because someone's powerful doesn't mean they're good has come full center for me. In fact, power often corrupts, right? Because what is Amaziah ultimately worried about? Is he worried about his role as a priest? No. No, he's worried about keeping his, right? He's worried about himself, his own profit, his own, his own position. That's why he can't abide with Amos's message. Because if he genuinely cared about what God wanted, which is what a priest is supposed to do, he would, he would bend his ear and bow his knee and say, okay, God, what would you have me do? In fact, he would pack up his bags and move to Jerusalem. But that's not what he does. And so I th- all that to say, here's a warning for some of us have grown up in cultures and contexts where people that are older than us, richer than us, more powerful than us are allowed to do and say things that we're meant to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I just got to tell you all, there is a standard of righteousness and uprightness that we find throughout the word of God. And oftentimes it's the people in great power and privilege and status and wealth who are the ones who are abusing those things. And so the story of Amos and Amaziah tells us that one, there's a great consequence for opposing the word of God. There is, period. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. It just it's that way. If you wanna be like Scar and look at the prophet and be like, run away, Simba, never return. That okay. That does that will not go well for you. I'll just say that. Like it's not you okay. That you have the prerogative to do whatever you want with your power, your privilege, your wealth, your status, or whatever. But for those of us who aren't exactly endowed with all those things, or better yet, who stand in the middle, this is because I think this is where a lot of people are. The people who are oppressed, those who are outsiders, who are women, who are minorities, who are refugees, who are abused, who are young, who are vulnerable 
who are disabled. I mean, you can go on and on and think about people groups who are often not put in powers, positions of power. What often happens is you have these groups who are speaking a truth. This is what it's like, right? We, we face oppression. We face racism. We face economic injustice. We face, we have been abused at the hands of so-and-so or such-and-such. And what you have sometimes is some of us end up in like the, the realm of public opinion or, or wherever. Like we, we tend to be referees in the middle here. And we're taught oftentimes to believe those that are powerful, that are rich, that are successful because we're taught that those are valuable things. And in order to get to those places, you must be worthy of the benefit of the doubt. And here's what I'm telling you is there's a warning throughout the pages of scripture that Jesus is often associated with the lowly, the meek, the outsiders, the outcasts, the disabled, the elderly, the sick, the minorities, the women. And he's often opposing the rich, the proud, the arrogant. And so here's our check for this. Is again, we've got to take our shoes off of those who are, if you're privileged, if you have opportunity if you have a lot of success and if you read these passages, you got to take your shoes off and put your shoes on of the outsider, the oppressed, the weak. Because they have voices. It's just often we silence them. Because people like Amaziah are trying to silence Amos. And we've got to learn to hear the voices of those who are being silenced. It's not that they don't have a voice of their own. It's just that their voices are being silenced. Like people... People tend to give the benefit of the doubt to those who have abused power. And so I don't intend for any of this to be political. I don't intend for any of this to even be a subtweet, a sub podcast of anything that's going on in the world today. I intend for this to be a biblical lesson for you from the book of Amos. That oftentimes people in powerful positions are trusted blindly and given opportunities and second chances and the benefit of the doubt or when they're wrong, they get a slap on the wrist instead of the punishment and the justice that they deserve. And instead what we see here is Amos, a lowly herdsman who is coming and speaking truth to power. And he tells him, Amaziah says, Amos, why don't you go ahead and take that message and shove it? And we see God's response. It's not the same response that we often see the powerful get. Instead, he's like, oh, you're, you want me to be quiet? Oh, let me say this a little bit louder. You are going to die and your wealth is going to be divided up. How's that sound? You want me to yell it? You want to tell God to be quiet? You want to tell the oppressed to be quiet? You want those who speak up on behalf of God to be quiet? Okay. It will not go well with you. So here's the show. Again, y'all, I'm not... It's crazy to me how much I'm teaching through Amos, and it might even sound like I, I, I'm not trying to be political. I'm not trying to be divisive. But let's be real, it is what I'm saying. This stuff is divisive. All I'm saying is, is for those of us who take seriously the Word of God, for those of us who take seriously what it means to be Christ-like, we see the same behavior in Amos. We see it in Jesus. And I just think as Christians, we've got to take that seriously, that we would not give a pass to the Amaziahs of the world, but instead we would listen to the voices of the oppressed and make sure that justice and righteousness are at the city gate like God has commanded us to be. That's our so what. So here's my challenge to you. Just pray about it. Just pray about it. You read things in the news. You, you hear things in the 
I guess, I don't know if people listen to these. I don't know. Read Twitter, Instagram, whatever. However you get your news. I guess I would just ask if the only voices that you're hearing are those who are powerful, maybe you need to broaden the voices that you listen to. And I would just challenge you to pray that God would give you ears to hear truth and not just the message of the powerful. All right. This seemed really political and I didn't intend for it to be. So let me just end with this. A knock, knock joke. Knock, knock. Who's there? An unsharpened pencil. An unsharpened pencil who? Never mind. This is pointless. All right. If nobody's told you today that they love you, I do. But way more importantly, God's crazy about you. Peace.